Welcome back to the table, you animals. Today is August 28th, 2018 on a nice fine Tuesday. I am Joe Newbauer at Joe Knows MMA. That is Sean Newbauer at MMA underscore Insomniac. And this is Better Fight Cast. <laughs> All right, Sean Neubauer, looks like we got a fix this weekend. How do you feel this week about the world of mixed martial arts? Youthful and like just brutal. The card from last Saturday was absolutely outstanding. One of the better cards of the year. I didn't have that kind of excitement going into it, but when it was all said and done, I was buzzing. It was a great card, a lot of great finishes, a lot of great up and coming talent. And uh, yeah, it's a great week, I felt. This weekend, how I feel, God, it feels good not to be boxing, eh? I mean, look what happened in the boxing world this weekend. I can't even tell you any legit boxers that fought. But you know what I can tell you about the boxing world? There was Bare Knuckle Boxing Championship 2. There was KSI versus Logan Paul. And the only other thing I can tell you about boxing is there was a boxer where as soon as the bell rung on FS1, that literally got up and left the ring. Didn't even throw a punch because he's disgruntled about pay. So as an MMA fan right now this week, I'm feeling pretty damn good about our sport compared to being a boxing fan right now. And we can talk about that. KSI versus Logan Paul. A celebrity boxing match. It was an amateur contest. And ironically, on the same date as the most historical event in the history of prize fighting. It is exactly one year after the date of Maymac. And this KSI versus Logan Paul fight broke the internet. Say it did over a million buys. Even if it is at $10, they did over a million buys on YouTube. That's pretty impressive. But what's your thoughts of the whole current situation? I hate people. You hate people? Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> I can't agree more. I don't get it. I mean, I get I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. Like what what, what the the thing I don't understand about the combat sports world is essentially the biggest fights that happen i can even look at ufc some of the biggest fights that ever happened say mcgregor versus diaz mm -hmm. one and two uh you can take the biggest to me i still think it's the biggest fight ever i don't care what anybody ever says was mcgregor versus mayweather now you have this year so far the biggest fight of the year is logan paul versus ksi why is it that people care more about exhibition matches than they do real fights. I, I, I it just, name. It, it blows my mind. It's name value. I mean, this was kids. Really, I mean, that that's probably what, ma like, the majority of the people that bought this Logan Paul versus KSI, it was kids. Yeah. If you follow Jimmy Manuel on Twitter, he had to go to that thing and get front row seats in the UK because of his children, his, his two teenage daughters. They were so invested into it, they had to see it. And that was that's being a good father, getting you know, giving them that present. I mean, I guess they're on to something because they drew an audience. Exhibition match. Um, I don't know, man. It's just hard for me to swallow. Like, I mean, these are two celebrities too. I mean, yeah. it's it's crazy what you view celebrities are nowadays. I think this guy KSI is a celebrity from playing Fortnite, from what I gather. So I don't I don't know who these two people are. I have never heard of them, and I wasn't doing research on who they are either because I don't care. The only thing I cared about was they were in a combat sporting event. And drew over a million dollars, I mean, a million views, or a million buyers, I'm sorry. Was it a million? I thought it was 800K. KSI said it's, a, it's still roughly about a million. Yeah. I mean, it's more buys, even at $10, than any other pay-per-view system so far this year. 
Right. I mean, hence, there's a big price difference and a big price tag because the numbers still add up what they did at UFC 227. They're still, UFC is still making just as much money yeah. at the 300000 because it's $65. But still, that impact, I mean, it broke the internet. They even had like 1.2 million people they said illegally streamed it. I mean, there was a lot of eyeballs on this thing. I, I, I roughly estimated it was like 2 to 3 million eyeballs on this thing when it was going on live for an exhibition <laughs> amateur boxing match between two celebrities it's crazy makes me sad it reminds me of like kimbo slice how popular mm -hmm. he was i mean it, it it is what it is but if there's one thing i take away from that event i mean as ridiculous of a match that was and i refused to watch it and from the clips i saw it definitely wow wow um this is something that might be future for top fighters in the game from MMA and boxing. They're calling it the entertainment era. Well, to take note of. I mean, you have Cyborg who was heavily interested in this. Cyborg's about to become a free agent. Cyborg is somebody who could probably get away with finding a contender outside the UFC and getting somebody to promote her on a YouTube fight and maybe attracting a lot of a lot of viewers and a lot of draw. Maybe. I don't think she's quite the celebrity. I think, I think we've really sold this. Logan Paul is super popular. The guy is very popular. Not only is it helped that he's popular, he's controversial. The guy has like 18 million followers on his YouTube channel. Someone like Cyborg doesn't have that. So, as well as like, the only person that can get away with this would be Connor. There's nobody else on that level of popularity other than Connor and like a Mayweather. So like, this is a different thing. I mean, there is, but they're championship level fighters and they fight for $65 a pay-per-view, not yeah. $10. And I think we got to remember that, I remember back in the day when there was celebrity boxing. That didn't draw bad numbers. Mm -hmm. It did well. Well, this was the first one. And just because they got away with it once, does that mean they're going to get away with it again? That's a wait-and-see process as far as a celebrity thing. Because look at Bare Knuckle Boxing Championship this weekend. And this just shows you how bored everybody was from two weeks of not having UFC mm -hmm. and then just a small Bellator event. It shows you how bored everybody was because the last time Bare Knuckle Boxing Championship came on, it was one of the top trends on Twitter. I mean, that's all we heard about. Mm -hmm. This one, not so much. I didn't think, even have half the buzz. I think the novelty wear off quick. I It's the newness. Yeah, I was never interested in the bare knuckle boxing. I think people that were a fan of like the early, early UFC days had an interest in this. I know. Like I could be wrong. They could be here five years from now, but I don't think this is gonna last very long. No, the bare knuckle boxing, I called it from the it there's a market for it. There is. Yeah. But I feel like it's more of like an underground market. I don't know if there's gonna be a, a huge palette so to speak, like for the professional fighting where you wear gloves and actually have, you know, like 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 uh, just just more rules. But the bare knuckle, there's something just brutal to this where it's it's it's, it's too much for me. Am I judging it? No, if, if the people are willing to do that, they can do whatever they want, but it's just not for me. I just think the same things would run with the celebrity boxing thing with the KSI and Logan Paul. Okay, the newness of it, this was something brand new with two huge names. A lot of people watched. The fight was not that great. Um, it looked like a disaster, but people were entertained. Yeah, unfortunately. And I don't want to sound like one of those hardcore fans that hate when stuff like this happens, but I hate when stuff like this happens. It's just like, to me, like, you know, they get that many eyeballs, but yet DC versus Stipe doesn't. Mm -hmm. It just, it just blows my mind. And just to, to go back on what you said, you don't think just anybody could do this either. You don't think professional don't. fighters, a lot of them, could go off on their own and start doing this YouTube thing and generating the type of views that they no. did. First of all, it takes two to dance. Second of all, 
you know, we're I think I don't know I don't know who KSI is. Maybe he is an, a big time celebrity. Maybe he has way more. He has a lot of YouTube. Files. He's yeah. like the other one in the YouTube. But community. I do know Logan Paul is an exception to that rule. Uh-huh. He's very popular. Yeah, I don't think anybody could just do that. And I think. Um, him being as popular as he is and controversial, I think that helps him. It sounds like like two reality TV stars, like like if, if like uh, the situation from Jersey Shore fought yeah. Ronnie in a boxing match or something yeah. from the Jersey Shore. That's that's what it kind of reminds yeah, me. Yeah, be a freak show, but like it only it only lasts for so long. Like they could do it once and but then it's done. What about that boxer leaving the ring as soon as the bell rung? What is your take on that? What if I, that ever What if that ever happened in mixed martial arts? Say the UFC. I thought that was disgusting. Um, I don't care. Here's the thing. You agree to the pay before you walk into that ring. So you already know what you're getting. If you don't like it, well, you should have gotten, like, negotiate or get yourself a better deal. Like, don't sign the contract or yeah, let them know that you're not going to be there. What he did was makes no sense because now he's going to be suspended by the commission. What promoter is ever going to promote him again? That's what I thought. Like, to me, like, I don't know what kind of stand he was trying to make or what he was trying to do, but I don't think it's going to go over too well. So I don't think what he did work. Plus, I mean, at that point, you had people that paid tickets to watch a fight. Was that the main event? No. No? Okay. But still, like, you had people that paid tickets to see the fights, you know, people that are at home watching on TV. Like, if you can't do that to people that's invested. That, that you can't do it to your opponent either. can't do it to your opponent. You can't do it to your fans, the people that are watching. Like, you know, it just... It was just bizarre, and it, it didn't work. It did whatever he was trying to set out and do, or whatever statement he was trying to make. He failed because I, I haven't seen anybody stick up for him. Like, oh, what he did was right, you know. Good question brought up about it, though. They said if there was anybody in the MMA community, any fighter that would do the same thing, who would it be? Nate who, Diaz. Nate Diaz. That's what they were. That's what everybody said. Yeah. He do you would really do think something. Diaz would do that? Yeah. Really? He's that crazy. Huh, interesting. I it I didn't know. I didn't know what everybody else was saying. You just asked me that question. Mm-hmm. That is the first name when you weren't even done your sentence yet. That name was already in my head. Nate, huh? Wow. That's what everybody or else Nick. thought also. Or Nick. Yeah. Nick would do the same thing. I would think Nick before Nate. Look how close they've came. Nate was trying to run away back in the day from like, you know, the UFC trying to film episodes of like a UFC countdown and stuff like that. Nick has no showed press conferences. I just, uh, yeah, but I don't think they would disrespect their opponents so much. It's not even that. Is. It's the, the the fact is like you don't get paid at all when you do that. So you're only gonna hurt yourself. And if they did it, I don't know, man. I I don't know how Diaz, the Diaz boys have so many fans still. I, I'm pretty stunned by it, but that would be a, another low. They've never walked away from a fight, though. A press conference is different. Contracts, you just say you can't. Contracts will, they'll get you. Yeah, but it's still different. I don't think the Diaz boys would have as much disrespect toward their opponent because they've always respected their opponent once they get into the fight. Yeah. I don't I don't think they would do that. Uh, I, I think they're a man of their word once they get in there. Once they get in there, they, those boys go to fight, man. They, they fight. I, I, I just disagreed. I, I really don't think anybody would ever do it. I mean, that I would was a hope bold not. move. That's the first time I've ever seen it in any combat sport. Yeah. Unless I'm wrong, but it, as the long as I've, I've been watching. The seen in MMA was I saw a guy at an amateur fight tapped out while he was maliciously beating the guy. I saw that, but that was that, but was, that was that different. Was it, was, it was an amateur fight, and it didn't yeah. matter, and he was saving the other guy's career. No, it wasn't an amateur fight. It was, yeah, it was. Um, He was fighting a legend that he thought in his own mind. That's what I thought it was. 
No, the one I saw, he was beating the guy, oh. and they're not really getting paid for it. Oh, I saw so another one. He tapped one out where... of the fight and was like, hey, this isn't worth it. It's just an amateur fight. You shouldn't take this brain damage and this type of beating yeah. for an amateur I saw another instance. It was against a, a pretty well known heavyweight or a fighter, and the guy did it. But I would think nobody in their right mind would ever do that because you're only going to hurt yourself. Mm hmm. That's like any sport, like you show up, but you're not going to play. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, after all this craziness with the boxer leaving the fight, with the bare knuckle boxing and the KSI versus Logan Paul, I'll tell you what, thank goodness there was UFC on on Saturday night, because what a breath of fresh air as far as combat sports entertainment. Lincoln, Nebraska got a show on Saturday night. That card was fantastic. From the first fight, to the very last fight. Yep. There is a lot to talk about here, and let's jump right into the main event. Live from Lincoln, Nebraska, UFC Fight Night 135, Justin Gagey, the workhorse, the warhorse, so to speak, fought the very big James Vick in the main event, and he knocked James Vick out. James Vick talked all that talk. He did make the walk, but man, that's not what you want to look like after a fight, right? That, that's probably the worst case scenario ever. What's your thoughts on the fight, and did it surprise you? I was going into a fight, and I said on here, like, I wasn't that excited. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm always excited when Justin Gagey's going to fight, but from a main event perspective, I was like, all right, this is okay. Like, you know what I mean? Because you had a guy that's coming off two losses, a guy who's mm -hmm. never fought a top talent before. But, man, after that, like, Justin Gagey showed why he is one of the elite lightweights in that division still. He, his stock, like, I mean, you think he came to the UFC, fought Michael Johnson in a fight of the year. Every every fight's been fight of the year except this one because he finished him in a minute and 27 seconds. Now it's seconds. up there for knockout of the year. <laughs> yeah. So he just shows how good he really can be. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't even know what, about his wrestling or nothing like that yet, but he went in there and showed, unfortunate for James Vick, like, bro, you're not ready for this top seven at this UFC lightweight. He, he might be knocking on that door, but that top seven of that UFC lightweight class, there is no joke there most stacked well let's not forget ever. he almost finished eddie alvarez he almost finished dustin poirier yeah i mean it was really a battle of will mm -hmm. i thought in the dustin poirier fight dustin poirier just came out in that fourth round like he wants that title like there was something that snapped in his head and he came out with this urgency to finish i felt like eddie alvarez and justin and um dustin poirier out techniqued justin gage justin gage went and they played his game he got mm -hmm. him into the wild fight and the throwing bombs at each other but i feel like they that their technique took over where gagey we don't know what his real technique is but we don't even know what his wrestling could be so because he never uses it so he gets in the fights where the guy's not really going for takedowns or you know whatever the case may lie but i just feel like he came out and shut everybody because everybody was calling for his retirement you know taking too much damage in his career yeah, and then he comes out and blah 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 i mean let the man decide he's still young into his career yeah let that man decide when it's too much and he's i've always stated he's been very smart about it and now from here with his win like now you all of a sudden got these great matchups that can happen he called out t ferg but i'm like come on i, I hate it when guys i are love young. it i i i I don't hate it, but like T Ferg's already booked a fight. I don't mm -hmm. like it when guys he call out people. He just got booked a fight, though. I know, but I don't like it when guys call out people that already that already mm -hmm. have a date. Like it doesn't make well, sense to me. Well, have you been following him on social media recently? <laughs> He's changed his tune about who he wants to fight. Well, there's a fight that I want to see him in. There's there's one other guy. Okay, so there we go. What's next for Justin Gagey? What do you do if you're Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard, Dana White? What do you do next with Justin Gagey? It's simple. You have. To me, it's like the top seven or eight guys 
in that lightweight class. So you have all, and they're all booked. You have Connor Khabib. You have now Tony Ferguson and Pettis. Who else? Um, but like Pettis isn't even in the top seven. But yeah, who do you give him next? Who Kevin is it? Lee. Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee's the only top go. guy without a dance partner. And and you know what? You know what makes that fight so great? Because Justin Gagey is supposedly like we haven't seen it, but he is a great wrestler. Kevin Lee's not going. I don't know if Kevin Lee can just wrestle this guy. So, you know, who's going to be the better striker? Like that's an an outstanding fight to me, and I hope that gets booked because that that is a really great fight that I would really look forward to. Mm-hmm. That lightweight class is just sick. It's, it's just it's stupid sick. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, three names came to mind for me. The original main event, you could have rebooked him against Ia Quinta. There's Edson Barbosa ready to come back. He's in the top. And then there was also Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee doesn't have a dance partner. And out of those three, I'm with you 100%. I'm going with Kevin Lee. It makes too much sense. Those two are on a collision course. That is the fight that makes sense right now. You know, Kevin Lee just beat Barbosa. Gaethje versus Barbosa will be a great fight, but with his now win over James Vick, it's like it's like him and Lee. Him I and feel Lee like, are in the same spot. I here. feel like Gaethje and Barbosa would have been a great fight if Gaethje would have lost this one, or that was the main event for this card. Because Barbosa's also, I believe, on like a two fight losing streak. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, Gaethje now got himself a win, the devastating knockout win over yeah. James Vick. Kind of puts that that. He goes back on the up. Same with Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee lost the fight to Tony Ferguson for the interim title and then bounced back and beat Edson Barbosa. They're both in the same exact spot. It makes too much sense. I also like the stylistic matchup. Kevin Lee is not going to go in there and play Rock'em Sock'em Robots no. with Justin Gaethje. No. He's too smart of a fighter. He's too technical of a fighter. He's going to go in there and it's going to be a war. But it's going to be a different kind of war we've seen out of Justin Gaethje because he is going to have to utilize his wrestling. He is going to be pressured up against the cage. You know, Kevin Lee's going to push on him. He's going to move forward. He doesn't take a step back. I, I love that fight. And not only is it a fight night main event, it could also be a big fight on a pay-per-view card to kind of bolster its name. It's it's just, I love everything about it. And I think that is 100% the fight to make. But of course, at the end of the day, if Jay Gaethje got signed against anybody, you're tuning in. Yeah. You're going to watch. Now for sure I am, yeah. You're absolutely going to watch. And then what about James Vick? Is that going to be James Vick's last main event ever, or what um, happens there? Well, he's he's pretty young guy. In lightweight, there's so many fighters at lightweight. He could be matched up with him, but yeah, he lost his main event privilege for now. You know, but when, when, when you're in your first main event and you get knocked out in just a little over a minute, you're not getting another one anytime soon. Unless he comes back and he bounces back with a great performance. You know, sometimes you can learn in your losses, and, you know, this was his big loss. He, he's only lost one other time to Benel Dariush. But, you know, I think James Vick is still pretty young. You know, he's got some things to work on. Maybe even, I don't know what his weight cut is like, but he could eventually try going up a weight class. That is a big dude for that weight class. And I, I question, like, 155 could dehydrate that guy. Like, that that is a, he's got to be the biggest lightweight, right? Mm-hmm. Tallest. So big. I mean, he when when Justin Gaethje hit him with that right hand, he folded like a lawn chair. I mean, that's what made it look so spectacular because mm-hmm. the way he the folded, way he crumpled, and he's so tall and yeah. so big. So I don't know. I mean, with James Vick, like you know, it's his first main event. He lost, but he's young. Keep keep going at it. You know, I don't I don't, I don't know a name because lightweight's too stacked. Lightweight yeah. has too many. Fights. I mean, there's guys that I, I said like a top seven or eight, but there's guys that's like coming up like Alexander Hernandez right now that I'm like murderer. So, 
you know, lightweight's too much fun. There's too yeah. much to going on there. James Vick would make a great 165 pounder. But anyway, on to the co-main event. No. On to the co-main event. Sean Newbauer, Michael Johnson wins a split decision over Andre Feely. And my question to you is, was that the right decision? Did the judges get it right? Well, according to the MMA stats, if you look at like the strike count and everything, mm-hmm. they did. But according to my eyeballs and what I watched on the TV, I thought Feely won. Oh, really? Yeah. Takedowns. Almost had him in a rear naked choke. I, I thought Feely won two rounds. Yeah. Okay. I really I did. I mean, it was super close. I could have went either way. Yeah. I didn't see it as a big upset that Michael Johnson won. I kind of had it actually going Michael Johnson's way. I don't so. think either guy's stock was hurt at all after that fight. Mm-hmm. It was one of those fights where both of them were at 145. You know, it was a close fight. Two great fighters. Like, kind of like, you know, just, it was like a stalemate. Like, you know, neither of them could really you know get anything going against each other so it wasn't a bad fight actually i thought it was pretty good there wasn't a bad fight on the card no there wasn't i just thought like it was just two talented guys that you know went to so like no, a stalemate so you you do feel feely won but you're not really upset about it no i'm not upset about it you could have seen it going the other way no because i think feely's still gonna get a big it's fight. one of those fights to me it was gonna be controversial either way who won yeah. i think half the people would were gonna think either way mm-hmm. it is what it is uh johnson got the victory and they both move on that, that's all you can do there. I still think they stay ranked around the same. Now, some other notables from UFC Fight Night 135. Jake Ellenberger got knocked out by Brian Borberina and officially laid the gloves down and retired. What's your thoughts? I wish he would have done that like a year or two ago, but, you know, he went out on his terms. He, he I don't think he's taking too much damage, you know. You sure about that? Well, as far as we know, I mean, he's still getting medically cleared. Do you remember that, that elbow? Stuff. Do you remember that elbow from Mike Perry? Yeah, yeah, but Ooh. he's still getting, you know, medically cleared. Tennessee, good gracious. Yeah, I'm just glad, you know, that was it. When he's losing to a guy, not no disrespect to like Brian Barbarina, he's a good up and comer. But when you've been around as long as Jake Ellenberger and you fought all the guys that Jake Ellenberger has fought, and he keeps going lower and well, lower. The thing going into this fight, I was looking at. I was ready for him to retire about three fights ago. Yeah. Um, and now he's, what, like two and eight in his last ten fights or something crazy like that? Like, it's not a good record at Is all. It, he beat he, – he should – he probably would have retired a while ago because he was on, like, a three-fight loser. I think he beat somebody – it was either, like, Ben Saunders, somebody like that. Matt no, Brown. Ben Saunders. He beat Matt Brown. He caught Matt Brown with that liver shot, and that kind of extended his career Yeah, but if a you look – longer. The thing about Ellenberger is if you look at his last, like, ten fights – it's not good. This guy, no, it's not that it's not good. I mean, he's fought a murderer's row. And he's been since he came on to this Yeah, company. it's one of the toughest opposition I've ever seen. I mean, a lot of guys, their records look like this at the end of their career if you fought nothing but UFC for a long time. Yeah. The UFC is a, it, the pecking order is, is so hard. It's shark tanks in every division. I don't care what division you're in. Yeah. I mean, you look at the end of careers of like Tito Ortiz. You look at BJ Penn. You, you look at a lot of these guys that retire, and then you look at the end of their career, and sometimes their records may fool you, but they fought the best talent always. They've always fought the top five. So Ellenberger always fought top ten, and it, it's it's just crazy. It's it's good to see him go away and at least walk out on his own terms. Got the, you know, had a little moment there in the octagon. I respect his career. He's had a good career, but I'm glad to see him retire because he's been taking a beating lately. Now, this is a fight I haven't heard a lot of people really talk about, but I feel like they should. As we have been debating this Henry Cejudo, TJ Dillashaw thing and how they need contenders. In the flyweight division, Devason Figueredo came out there and finished 
John Moraga with a brutal body shot. I mean, this kid really has good combinations in his hands. He's now 4-0 in the UFC, three of them by finish, and his overall record, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's undefeated. He's like 15-0. and And my thing is, if Mighty Mouse is going to be out for a minute, why can't this guy get the title shot in the meantime? Why not? I don't, I mean, well, I don't think, I do think he's ready for a title shot, but he's got a, he's working his way up. Moraga's not going to get him the title shot right now. Why not? Former title challenger, he was on a three-fight win streak, why not? Right, but I still think he's one fight away. When you look at the name value, I think Sergio Pettis is, is, is above there. I would like to see Figueroa to get matched up with like a Joey Benavidez next. Or Tim Elliott. Or Tim Elliott. Somebody He's also got, on a win streak. That's somebody that's also got a little bit of a name, so that way we can really see, but mm-hmm. I, not right now. Not right All now. All I'm saying is, he could get it, right? Possibly, yeah. He could. Undefeated not... Brazilian going up against Henry Cejudo. I mean, th- this TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo thing really makes me scratch my head, because I, I, don't, I don't see well, it. Well, it's like, not official, and we don't... I, I know, but I'm just happen. saying the talk about it. I don't really get it. I don't get it. Um, you have guys in the flyweight division. I mean, that's what... Demetrius Johnson made a career of. Ray Borg got a freaking title shot, okay? This guy deserves one. I'm just saying, there's fighters there for Shijudo to fight. And this kid really, really stamped his name on Saturday night. If he doesn't get the title shot next, he's one fight away. There's no way you can die him. He gets one more win. I think he's How do you deny him? I think if anybody was to get the title shot, it'd be the winner of Pettis and um, Formiga. At, on October 6th. I think that winner gets the title shot. But you're, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with Figueroa's close, but I think Figueroa needs one more fight. One more stamp against a top five ranked guy in that division. I think he needs one more stamp until he can make his claim. But no, don't get me wrong with that fight. I've never seen Moraga get beat like that. I mean, this guy brutalized him. That body shot. That, it, you're right, because I'm hearing everything after these, this card. Everybody's talking about not a lot hearing of the about other this. fights, but that's the one fight nobody's talking about. There's a couple about. other like that too. I mean, we're hearing a lot about Eric Anders. It was a great knockout victory. Yeah, I really did like it. I mean, that was that was very good at the end of the round. Hard fought victory. I think it's one of the unfortunate things when you're on a card like that, and so many crazy things like that happen. Something's gonna get left out. Yeah, but this was such an underrated card. Yeah. And I'm gonna go through a couple names. I mean, look at James Krause. Yeah, you know, he's now on a four fight win streak in the UFC or something silly like that. Or five fight, I can't remember, but he moved back up to welterweight yeah. and knocked out Worley Alves. James Krause was a huge underdog in this spot, and he came out victorious with that beautiful knee that led into the combination and finished the fight. And what about Corey Sanhagen? Wow, Mr. Gumby. I thought Yuri had him. I thought Alcantara had that kid in that first round. I did too. I thought it was going to get stopped by either the ref or. I like I got queasy on my couch while watching. I was like, "Oh God, stop, stop!" Like I didn't want to see the arm actually break. Mm-hmm. So it was. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how he did it. I'd like to get an update if he's injured or not. But I mean, he started throwing them hooks afterwards. It. it was, it was amazing. That kid, I can't wait to watch him fight again. He put on a performance. That was that was a fight of the year candidate right there. Uh, Mickey Gall came out. And had his best performance to date because of his quality of opponent. Yeah, I know a lot of people are complaining that he should have been higher on the card. I think he was too high on the card. I like Mickey Gall. I don't have a problem with him, but he's the rookie here. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these guys, everybody on that fight pass card deserved to be on that card over him. They Where did. They're ranked. And That's everything. a fact. Yeah. 
Mickey Gall was in his, what, sixth professional fight? Yeah. Fifth? And his resume includes CM Punk, Sage Northcutt before Team Alpha Male, and Mike Jackson, who's only had two professional fights himself. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Give and, me a the break thing here. Is, Gall's young. UFC has him for a while. Like, he looks good. Though. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. The kid's a killer. But really, he should have been opening the card. And he's coming off a loss. He, he should have been opening on Fight Pass. Yeah. But. I mean, it's, he, he he's lucky. Like, he has an opportunity that has been given to him that not many people get. And he's taking advantage of it. I mean, that was a, a, a everything he's done to switch up his training camp, it was a very good victory for him on Saturday night. Everything was perfect for him except for his stupid callouts. What? Yeah, I didn't. It's like I said earlier. I don't like it when guys a call out guys that are already booked to fight. It doesn't that that, that kind he of called stuff out guys he already beat. That that's what I was gonna get to. B he called out somebody he already fought. That like he's only had six fights and he wants to fight the one guy he beat already again. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. make sense to me. And then the other thing, like when he calls out Diego Sanchez, I'm like, this guy's already booked to fight. Like, let's stop calling out yeah. guys. Know, know your division a little bit better, guys. Know your division a little bit better. If, if Diego wasn't booked to fight, I'd have no problem with that call out. He's like, all right, I want to fight. Probably would be an interesting fight. Yeah. He, yeah. Diego, tough guy, like still, he can make a name off of him. Big but veteran like, against the rookie, yeah. But like the fact, he's, he's booked to fight already. That doesn't make sense. I hate, I hate when guys call out guys that are already booked to fight. Unless it's a champion, they're number one contender. Other than, it just doesn't make sense. Know your division. Know what's going on. And then on Fight Pass, I thought Fight Pass fights were really underrated also. JoJo 2.0. Joanne Calderwood. That's what everybody's calling her now. Now, this is a girl who I had a lot of interest in on this card, and I thought her fight was going to have some of the highest implications off of the whole card. Why? Because remember, this was the girl that was screaming for a 125-pound division way before the UFC even thought about bringing one in. This is a girl that's always been... been sacrificing her body to get to 115 pounds and this is finally the first time she was able to move up to 125 and she looked great physically she looked great i really like the way she looked and then when she went in there and you know joanna calderwood is a striker she has very good striking technique very good striking ability but faria took her to the ground and Joanne Calderwood now shows that she has ground skills also. Submitted her at the very end of the first round with that triangle choke. I mean, showed great technique on the ground and patience and skill. This is a different fighter. This is a girl I'm going to say keep your eye on. She's probably in a, in a very shallow 125-pound women's division. This is a girl who I think has the skills to get to that title shop rather quickly. And that was a great performance by her. And I'm excited to see what she does in the future. What did you think of it? I thought it was a good win. She needed it, because mm -hmm. I think she would have gotten cut if she didn't win. Well, she's only lost two in a row at 115 pounds. She won two before that. One over Valerie, Valerie Letourneau. But it would have been her third loss in a row. Yeah. But it's a new division, 125 pounds. I think, I think it's big because, A, you know, 125 pounds could use some names. She's out of Scotland, so they have that. Like, she's someone they can promote in another country. They can get behind her in that way. Um yeah, I thought it was a good win, man. I thought it was a good come from behind, you know, quick submission. But not really come because it was round one, but, you know, the girl was had her on the ground for, like, most of the first round, and she came back and beat it, and good for her. I thought it was a good victory. And then there's the first fight of the night. The, the real shocker, I mean, it didn't shock me that he won, 
but it shocked me that I really had money on Luke Sanders to win this fight. Okay, but Ronnie Yaya, been around since the WEC days. The guy's now like 10-3 and three in the bantamweight division or 11-3, and three, something silly like that. Been in the UFC for a long time. You know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to do. He's probably the best ground guy in the UFC today with Damian Maya. Mm-hmm. He has a very similar style. You know what he's going to do, and it really impressed me that against Luke Sanders, he went in there and did it right away. Caught him in a heel hook and tapped him out. I did not see that coming. It doesn't surprise me, but I thought for sure Luke Sanders was going to be able to stay on the outside. He's young. He's fast. He's got a good left hand. I thought he was going to be able to you know, neutralize Yaya, but he didn't. And Yaya picked up a big victory. And he was the first fight of the night. That just shows you how stacked this card was. Fantastic night of fights overall. Anything else you want to say about UFC Lincoln? I, you know, it's like I've been having withdrawal lately. It's like everybody says, like, it's oversaturated, this mm-hmm. and that. We go two weeks without it, and we're about to go crazy. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, I don't know. You know this was the perfect card to come back to. Yeah. Very not, satisfying. It's not always, uh, you know, it's not always going to be the biggest gate. It's not always going to be the biggest eyeballs, but you have to keep rolling all fights because, A, you have, like, 500 of them under contract, maybe 600, and you need to get them out there. Well, I thought there was a lot of big winners on Saturday night, and I think a lot of them are going to be placed in very high-profile matches sooner than later. Believe it or not, I mean, matches that actually matter in their division. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy the amount of talent I like. I like the youth movement on this card. Believe you me. I like Derek Anders' comeback. I liked um, DeVason Figueredo. Just, I mean, Mickey how could Gall you never feel good about Justin Gaethje winning? That has to be, I think, 9 out of 10 people's favorite fighter right now, right? Yeah. And he, he shakes up that lightweight division in a fun way. Him versus Kevin Lee. Got to do it, man. All right, well, here's something I want to get into. While all the media is busy talking about the Bruce Buffer versus Nate Diaz Twitter beef, and they're all delving their interest into that, I want to talk about Bellator for a minute. Quietly making some big signings that I don't see getting a lot of love or respect that I think it should. The first one being... Michael Chandler has officially re-signed with Bellator. Sean, do you think Michael Chandler made the right move? Do I personally? No. Now, there's a couple there's there's a couple of things I can say here. Now, do I think Bell do I think he's probably making good money? Yeah. But like this is one of those things where I think more fans wanted to see there's not many times where fans really want to see somebody jump or really mm-hmm. care that much. I think so many people really wanted to see Michael Chandler go to the UFC to see him, who we always thought was one of the top 10 best lightweights in the world, finally go to the UFC because he's not that young anymore. It's not like he's 27 he just signed the contract. No, he's like 32, 33, and just signed probably his last big contract. So I'll never, we'll never be able to see him fight a lot of the big guys in the UFC so that that's where me from a fan standpoint I wish I could see because in the lightweight picture right now in Bellator there's not a lot going on you could have him versus Brent Primus again but uh, after that there's not a lot I mean I guess he could fight Ben Henderson but Ben Henderson's no spring chicken either so to me I wanted to see him finally go UFC I wanted to see what he could do I, I cared more about his legacy than I did you know but then again if he's making millions of dollars staying Bellator can't fault the guy I actually like it. I like it for Bellator, and I like it for actually Chandler's legacy because he's known as that Bellator guy. 
I can't even picture him in the UFC. Would have it been nice? Yeah. But then again, that would leave Bellator's lightweight division with really nothing. Uh, this has been a guy That's who the point actually... I was trying to make. That's not his problem. This, it isn't his problem, but this is a guy Bellator actually built into a star themselves. This is one of their only homegrown talents that they have. I think at the where he's at in his career, you know, he's not going up. He might be going down. We don't know where he's at. We, we don't know exactly where he's at until he gets back in there. Um, but he's... I think he made the right decision here. I can't even picture him fighting anywhere but Bellator. He's been their guy since day one. He really has. He's, he's one of the only organic talents they've built. And I think Bellator made a great signing in him, re-signing him down, because if there's one name that you can attract the lightweights with to come over and fight, you always got Chandler. Like, Eddie Alvarez is a free agent. We all want to see Alvarez versus Chandler 3. You have to at least get Chandler to make that fight. So they already got Chandler, and they went after Chandler hard. Now it might entice Eddie Alvarez to come over because that's a big fight in general. Mm. It's a big fight. It's, it's a historical fight. Kind of a legacy fight that needs to happen. Uh, he does have the rematch with Brent Primus. He's got to go get his belt back. That's his belt. He's got to go get it back. That's a big fight for him. I think Chandler's the name that they can use to draw the talent from the outside as they become free agents into Bellator. I don't see it that way so much. I do. I, I just think he's their guy. I think if he had a stint in the UFC and he was pretty good, they would have a better shot at getting like Alvarez. I would think they would have done that already with Ben Henderson. If, who if was UFC, a star in the UFC didn't buy Strike Force. Strikeforce had like, um, you know, they had Josh Thompson and Gilbert Melendez. If it wasn't for the UFC buying them, they were like Strikeforce's guys. I just remember them being like their staples, their talent that they had. It's like Kazushi Sakuraba and Pride. I just think that Michael Chandler is synonymous with Bellator and his loyalty. I, I think it's a great thing. I, I don't mind it at all. I think it's a win on both sides. I, I, I'd like to see him fight UFC's talent, but come on, man. Look at that UFC lightweight division. No, I'm not saying the UFC's hurting without him. I I was telling you what I well, wanted I'm to saying say. even for Chandler. He comes in, he fights one of those killers. One loss, he's down to like number 20. It, it's such a pecking order. Then what order makes him so great in Bellator? Because he's a big fish in a small pond. That's why. He's going to be promoted more. He's probably but getting like more I said, money. Like I said with my opening statement about this, I think it hurts his legacy. I, I do. don't. I don't. It depends, if, it depends on what happens next. He can go get that Bellator title from Brent Primus, and hey, I think they're pushing hard. The way Dana White's already talking about uh, Eddie Alvarez, the money I think Bellator is about to offer Alvarez, I think they're going to get that fight, and it's going to be a big one. I really do. I just feel it. I feel it in my I gut. I mean, I'm okay with that. Like, don't get me wrong. I'd watch Chandler versus Alvarez three, but like to me, like I look at it from the other perspective. Like, I would think people wouldn't go to UFC and like. You know, I, go, I get that. Go but try and fight the He's a guy that's actually being offered millions of dollars outside the UFC. Take it. Take yeah. it. I think he would get lost in the UFC shuffle right now. Did you see Pitbull shoot, Pitbull shoot at him real hard? Mm mm. Oh, he said he was afraid of that Usada testing. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I don't either, but I, I didn't. Then why is Pitbull not in the UFC? I don't know about I, all that. I didn't. I didn't. I, don't, I didn't. Te- I didn't. Um, question that that's just a another fighter mm-hmm. you know taking a shot at but like to me like everybody just, that doesn't sign with the ufc it's all because of usada now that that's that's what i get from all of it that's yeah. what everybody says i just wish i would if like all i'm saying is like we'll see if it could work out for him in bellator but if like you know if in the next fight or two it's not he's not getting a bigger name bellator's not getting bigger like to me it's like this was his shot this was the last shot he had at going to the UFC and fighting in the real big leagues where, you know, the best in the world are fighting. 
-hmm. That's just my personal opinion. Bellator's been making big moves lately. I'm just kind of confident they're going to get a really big fight for him. But anyway, what about the second signing? They, they really went quiet. I know a lot of people are talking about it, they don't know who he is, but Vitaly Minikov, their former heavyweight champion, re-signing with the organization over from Fight Nights Global. A time when UFC's picking all the Fight Nights Global champions mm -hmm. out of there. I, I heard that Vitaly Minikov was close to coming to terms with UFC, that they were trying to get him also, but then took a U-turn and ends up on Bellator. I mean, to me, this shows me that Bellator is actually serious about getting talent right now. I thought this was a big week for Bellator and their signings. I really did. Vitaly Minikov is 21-0. and 0. He's 33 years old in the prime of his career. The man has 12 knockouts, 7 submissions, has finished everybody since his um, title fight against Czech Congo. Has wins, you know, he finished Alexander Volkov in Bellator. Defended it against Czech Congo. This is a big deal. This guy can come in and fight the winner of the Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix, and it could actually be legit. It's the first legit heavyweight they've signed. I love it. I mean, this, this just makes me feel like you, the Bellator is trying to sign their own talent. I mean, this is a guy that walked away from their belt. <laughs> he just relinquished it. I'm done. See you guys. Peace. Good move. What do you think? No, it's a good signing. He's like 22-0. and 0. Um, and this is what I'm saying. Like everybody's need, talking about Bruce Buffer and his Twitter beef with Nate Diaz, but nobody's doing on this. Eventually, they need to move away from the freak show tournament they got right now, which I guess going to draw ratings. But they have middleweights and light heavyweights fighting a heavyweight right now. So yeah, they need every heavyweight they can get. So yeah, this was a good signing to me. What I look at is the narrative to me is is like Bellator's paying some people some money. So now I know Viacom has deep pockets. But how much are they backing this? I know that the zone deal <coughs> was good for them. I just question, like, because let's face it, you look at the business side, they, they don't do pay-per-view. Their ticket sales, their gates aren't as big as UFC's. Some their are good and some are bad, yeah. Their I, I ratings aren't as good as UFC. I'm like, how do they have all this money? So they need to, I feel like well, right now. Well, they said they're able to go get some more free agents yeah, off get, of that the zone I deal. I know, but right now, I feel like they're really rolling the dice. Because another thing that the Zone deal really has to pan out. They have to get people to stream. They have to get people to buy the network, and they have to make sure people are streaming to watch Bellator. They're, they're rolling the dice heavy. It reminds me of Strikeforce back in the day. Strikeforce started going out and paying because they, they were pretty successful. They started paying high dollar for some of them free agents. You remember the Dan Henderson thing? Mm -hmm. We're going to find out in the next two to three years because either they're going to stay afloat or they're going to – they're going to just be the next company to fold. Yeah, I mean, it was Dan Henderson, Nick Diaz, yeah. Fedor Emelianenko, Alistair Overeem. It was, it was a they good were, chunk were, of talent. They were paying some people. So that this is what I'm wondering, like, what's going to happen. They they have to start making moves, and they have to start doing well because it's great that they're signing people. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't – It could, what happened with Strikeforce could happen again. It's like deja vu all over again. But they, I think they have deeper pockets this time. Although the last time they had pretty deep pockets with the owners of the San Jose Sharks. But they reached the limit where they're like, all right, we know where our ceiling is. Like, we can't keep doing this. I know Viacom has a little bit deeper pockets, but they might get to the point where it's like, okay. That's what I look at long term from all this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because they are paying guys more than the UFC's willing Their to. events have to start working out. They have yeah. to start generating money. Yeah. That That's what it is at the end of the day. All right, well. UFC 228 is around the corner. That's our next event from the UFC. 
damn good one also. Love the fight card. Love the main event. It's a bummer Yair fell off there, right? But how do you feel? Yes, it is. I, that hurts, but I don't think it kills the card. How do you feel? You know, the UFC has been bringing up backup plans for all these main events lately. Mm -hmm. And they already have Kamaru Usman as a backup plan, training, making weight right now in case something happens. How do you feel about Tyron Woodley's statement that he said he is not accepting the Kamaru Usman fight even if Till doesn't make weight? What do you make of it? I think that makes no sense whatsoever. So he'd rather fight a guy that comes in overweight that's, you know, what everybody's deeming right now is like legal cheating or whatever it is, but he won't fight a guy that's on weight with, um, that's not highly as ranked as Darren Till. It just makes no sense to me. He'd to me, well, here's what I look at it from the outside. He fights Till and he, and he misses weight. He's guaranteed not to lose his title. Win, lose, or draw. He, it just... Why he wouldn't accept the Usman fight when he knows Usman is... It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, not keep... The, like, that doesn't make any sense. And at the end of the day, like, this guy just finds a way to have people just... Like, at first, I thought he was coming around. I was like, oh, man, he's accepting this Till fight. And everything he was saying at the press conference, I was like, man, this guy's saying, I'm going to fight the best. This is actually the toughest opponent in this division. I agree with him. I think Darren Till is the toughest guy in that division right now. But now he just like says, oh, I'll fight him if he misses weight, but I won't fight Usman. That makes no sense in any kind of realm or any kind of way. I'm going to disagree with you 100%, and this is where I think Tyron Woodley's coming from, and I actually agree with him. It's one thing if the fighter gets injured and he falls off the card. Then we're looking at a different story. But if he doesn't make weight, the fact that he's still willing to fight the fighter that doesn't make weight, I think I see where he's coming from here. He's coming here because what is Tyron Woodley most known for in his last couple title defenses as champion? Boring fights. And game plan. He really, really sticks to a game plan. The guy is 100% about his game plan in a fight. And when he gets this close up to the title fight, and then he gets an opponent like Darren Till. Okay, let's go with the X's and O here. X's and O's. Darren Till, who's a big, rangy stand-up fighter, not known for his ground game, you know, on 24 hours notice, if he can't make weight, you're all of a sudden going to put in the O. You're going to put in Kamaru Usman. Short, rangy fighter who's known for his dominant wrestling. That is two completely different fighters. You have trained all training camp for 9, 8, 10 weeks, whatever it is, to fight Darren Till in that style. And then to all of a sudden, on 24 hours notice, fight a guy like Kamaru Usman who is completely different and who's actually been training for the champion this whole time, I see where he's coming from. That is a hard situation to be put in. He would rather fight the overweight Till, where at least he's you know, got a game plan mapped out. He knows what style he's coming in there against. He might have to give up a little more weight than he thought, but I, I get where he's coming from. I do, and I don't blame him for saying this. Now, if he didn't want to fight anybody at all because of weight differences or whatever, then it might be a little different. But when he said that even if he doesn't make weight, he will still fight Till, I, I have to see where he's coming from. I do. It's not the same thing. So this is the difference between our argument right now. You just said what something, what a hundred people would understand. I just said something what millions of people would understand. No one's going to care that, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to look like he ducked Usman. 
At yeah. the end of the day, it's going to make no sense because if he comes in overweight, you don't have a title fight anymore. Okay. That title fight is no longer on the line. Okay. So it becomes an exhibition match. Okay. It'll be just like the, the Yo Romero versus Robert Whitaker fight from earlier this year. I don't think that did them any favors. Ended up being a great fight. <clears throat> but if you're going to order that paper and you see it's no longer for a title, you're going to be like, what? Yeah, but people aren't even people didn't even understand that. You're still going to see it's Till versus Woodley. I think more people would understand because there will be a lot of controversy surrounding that. There will be, Till but I still think weight. people will watch Woodley it versus Till. It will look like Woodley ducks Usman. Look, I get it. I get it from the fans' perspective, but I'm just telling you from Tyron Woodley's perspective, I see where he's coming from. That's what I, I'm saying. You have it from like a small percentage that would understand what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you what most people would think if they just read the And headlines. I think that's what a smart champion would do. I don't because I don't think he's going to gain any fans that way. Well... Okay, we'll agree to disagree here, but at the end of the day, let's hope nobody doesn't make weight. I mean, I let's hope, hope so let's hope both fighters make weight. I hope so too. Healthy, but happy, but not a bad Friday. To me, and this fight happens. Here's my problem with it. To me, the UFC is getting proactive and finding last minute replacements for these title fights to fall off. And now you have the a, one of the champions that's now saying, "I'm against this." Like we get so disappointed when these title fights fall off, whether it's 24 hours, whenever. They had a yeah, heavyweight replacement. It, it, it hurts, but it it didn't hurt the Robert Whitaker versus Yo Romero situation at all. I was still like, are they still fighting five rounds? Yup. Okay, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. I, I disagree. Maybe that fight wasn't going to generate, but it doesn't matter. They're finally finding a solution to this. Mm -hmm. That if a fight falls off within 24 to 48 hours of the fight, they have a replacement. I'm going now, to this guy, the here. who I keep saying, has a hard time resonating with fans. And the reason why is because he does stuff fans don't like. And that's one of them. He was to turn That's that fine. fight down and no longer a title fight. I'm telling you, people would not like that. But he's making the smart choice by not fighting a completely different opponent as opposed to at least he's still fighting Darren Till. That like, would have been I'm like, for that. Think about just two cards ago. They had Volkov weigh in. Mm -hmm. So if DC would have fallen hard enough, right, mm -hmm. and he got hurt, and That's Volkov injury, was there. Injury, he's out <coughs> completely. I think people have already invested into the name Woodley and Till. I don't buy that so much. I think as long as you have that as a main event for five rounds, just because the title isn't officially on the line. I don't Do we buy really it. buy it for all these interim titles just because it has a, spot, a shiny little strap on it? I don't. I just don't buy that so much. I don't think. I don't think that would go over well. I get where he's coming from. You don't get where he's coming from. But hey. Knock on wood. Let's just hope both fighters make weight and get to the dance, hey? Because that's the fight we want to see overall. We want to see Woodley versus Till for the title, right? Yeah. That's the number. Okay. Let's just, we'll agree on that, okay? We'll have to step away from this. Let's talk about some fight announcements this week. Biggest one out of all of them. UFC 229 got a brand new shiny co-main event. Tony Ferguson is fighting Anthony Pettis in the co-main event to the Connor and Khabib fight. So between those four fighters, Tony, Connor, Khabib, and Anthony Pettis, we have three current champions and a former champion. What do you make of it? I thought it was a great fight. And a lot of people are now saying, oh, it should be Gagey versus Ferguson. Well, Gagey well just that fought. just happened. To take that out. They that did. was the best opponent. And nobody really wanted to see Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. Not not this Not soon. again. It just, not it just that was... So I thought that fight. was the best fight they could book. Now they're they're bringing up a narrative from like something that happened at UFC 181. Mm -hmm. But stylistically, is what gets me this fight. What gets me so excited for this fight because you got two guys that's absolutely beast at jujitsu, and you got two guys that are very special strikers. 
this fight's going to deliver on all cylinders. Wish it was five rounds, right? <laughs> I can get over that. But I, I just think this fight is going to be a really good one. Don't sleep on Pettis in this. Pettis has the has, is a style matchup that's very... His style matches up well with Tony Ferguson because they're both their styles are kind of the same. So I think... Um, yeah, it was like the, well, I thought it was the best fight you could book, especially for UFC 229. Kevin Lee would have been a great addition, but this this is just an awesome fight because Pettis he looked so great in his last fight, and Pettis is ranked number eight right now. He's not low ranked; he's pretty up there. Oh, he's fought a murderer's row. Yeah, he's fought everybody. So I, as a co-main event, people were like talking about this card, then they add that fight to that card. I'm like, shut up, because now you got an awesome co-main. Well, everybody event. jumped on this card. Way too fast. First of all, before the Tony Ferguson fight got booked, this card was still awesome. It was still a good card. It was a great card. What else do you need? You have Connor and Khabib in the main event. What are we talking about? Even if the Black Beast versus Alexander Volkov would have stayed your co-main event, that's a fantastic fight. Why do people jump and complain? Why does the MMA community complain so much? I, I honestly, see nothing but fantastic fights on this card. I haven't seen a bad fight booked yet. Yeah. How do they even know it's going to be bad? I think they expected three title fights or so. I don't know. That's because the UFC has spoiled us. Yeah. I always say UFC has spoiled us as fans. They really have. And we're at a place where it's like point of no return. If there's not that big name element to it, it's like people just seem disinterested. But there's great fighters on every single card. Lincoln just proved that. I mean, Tony Ferguson is a madman. First of all, he's a freak of nature. How he has recovered from his LCL surgery in this this short of time, this miraculous short of time, is Wolverine-like. But the fact that he's stepping in there with Anthony Pettis, I mean, this is a guy who who technically is still a champ. His his belt dissolved. Yeah. <laughs> dissolved away. You know, it's still weird at the head of the billing that Connor isn't the champ. Khabib's yeah. the champ. It's really weird. But anyway, you know, the fact that, that he's able to rem to get on this card, and that's our backup plan if either Khabib yeah, or Connor gets hurt. We were talking about this last week, and I was like, I think he's going to be the contingency plan like Usman, like Volkov was, like what I thought made sense. I didn't think he was going to be co-main event because they announced the Black Beast versus mm -hmm. Volkov as the co-main event. Like, mm -hmm. UFC announced that as the co-main event. Dana but White then Tony got – yeah, he just slid in there, though, Tony did. Yeah. I mean, he got his – he got the – Got it doctor's from the doctors. Clearance, got yeah. cleared. He's good to go. He's ready to fight. I mean, what about the Eagles? I think, I think they wanted to, to, to announce something because tickets were already on sale. They didn't have to. Yeah, Connor versus Khabib, man. I know, but they wanted to announce a co-main event because mm -hmm. tickets still tickets were on sale. So well, I do I do think that Ferguson Derek Lewis, and Pettis wasn't done yet. Derek Lewis versus Volkov was their original main event. That that's what co -main was, event. I mean co-main event. That's what was going to happen. Like I said. Um, Ferguson slid in there. Yeah, it all, I think, it's all about timing. I think, remember, Dana said a while ago he wanted Ferguson on the same card. I just mm -hmm. think they were waiting for all the formalities and mm -hmm. all that stuff to get done. But they, they put, now I see what they were doing bigger picture. They named Black Beast versus Volkov as the co-main event when tickets first went on sale. Just so that way they, they said, well, this is what we're, we, we already have. And then Tony Ferguson got cleared. They got the fight done. The rest is history. I mean, we have... Poirier versus Nate Diaz booked in the co-main event at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But if Tony Ferguson beats Anthony Pettis, he's still the number one contender, right? Yeah. I mean, he has to be. He has to be. Lightweight's crazy. Lightweight's just crazy right now. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fantastic matchup. It makes me happy. I can't wait. 
for the end of this year for mixed martial arts. Bellator and UFC. I am excited. I am giddy. Just talking about it. Let's hope all these fights happen. Well, UFC 231 got a title fight officially announced. Max Holloway. Is it official? I hear it's like they won it. One's, yeah, one they're, is ta- they're discussing Ortega. it. You're right. You're right. They're discussing it. It's not 100% official yet. But that looks like... But it looks like it's going to be Max Holloway versus go? Brian Ortega. Yeah. Which makes sense. Max Holloway had all that ex- success in Canada when he fought... Um, what was his name? Anthony Pettis. Yeah. For the interim featherweight title. He said that the reception he got from Canada, they love him over there. So it makes a lot of sense to have that fight there. UFC 232, Cyborg versus Nunez. Now that became official. That's officially a done deal. We, that was one of those things we kind of knew... Mm-hmm. We already knew that's what's going to happen. They just made it official. You know, Bueno Harris got their main event. Neil Magny got pulled from his fight with Cowboy Oliveira, taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio. That should be a fun little scrap. That's that's a fight night main event. But it leaves one question. UFC 230 is still hanging there. Still no main event. What's happening, Sean? At this juncture, I have no idea. It has to... It all leads... Because I still thought it could have possibly been Ortega versus Holloway main event in that. Just waiting on clearance for Max. Like, they could have been waiting on that. We know about the rumors with John Jones. Now I'm looking at everything, and I'm like, literally, the whole top ten of light heavyweight is pretty much booked at this juncture. They just booked Corey Anderson versus Alir Latifi for UFC 232. So at this point, there isn't another light... There's only three guys... That aren't booked for a fight at light heavyweight. You got the champion, DC. You got Alexander Gustafsson. And then you got the suspended John Jones. So at this point, I'm leaning towards, I hope it's not, like as much as I would love to see DC versus John Jones, I just don't think that's feasible for DC right now. He's saying he's still willing to do it. I saw a statement from him saying he's willing to cut the weight. I find that crazy because he puts his matchup with Brock in jeopardy. In jeopardy. Not only does he put it in jeopardy, but if he was to lose to Jones a third time, he puts the drawing power of that matchup in jeopardy. If he lost to Jones or Gustafsson. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It's not the same. Brock looked soft in the middle at SummerSlam. He's starting to lose weight. He's starting to train him in May again. You, We see it. He was written off WWE TV program. Like he's coming back, and January is the date he wants to come back. Just, just, just let it go. Let, let that happen. I don't know what they're doing with MSG. I mean, I get it. Jones vs. DC would sell a lot of tickets. It would sell a lot of pay-per-views. But at this point, I don't want to see that fight rushed. And from what if- you see, that's the other thing. Daniel Cormier has that hurt hand. I don't want to see, yeah, I feel like he's going to be rushing it himself. Yeah. Um, Gustafson and Jones has been in training camp. Jones has been training like a madman. Yeah. You see it on his social media. Gustafsson was pulled from 227. He was in camp. He was pulled only two weeks before. He had a minor injury. He's rehabbing. He's back to training. Gustafsson's calling for a shot on 229. He's ready to come back. Those two guys, that's a rematch we've always wanted to see. I, I really have that feeling that John Jones is coming back at Madison Square Garden. I just, I have that feeling he that's has going to, to happen. It's the only thing that makes sense at this point. There's no other fight unless they pull like a a surprise GSP fight or something out of nowhere. That would be I don't the, see that happening. That, not this short of notice. I don't either. That's what I'm saying. That would be the magnitude to headline an MSG card. Otherwise, they would just went with Diaz versus Poirier already. 
Yeah. So something something's going on. And we got to find out. I'm getting impatient. I want to know. I'm impatient. I'm getting impatient to find out. Well, we'll really know because I don't know when tickets go on sale for that thing. But when tickets do go on sale, we'll know before tickets go on sale. They got to sell you a main event. They got to give you a reason to buy to purchase a ticket and go to Madison Square Garden and watch a UFC event. So. In other news, I mean, because remember, John Jones, if he was to get back, he has to actually go through the whole process of getting a license again. But I know two people that are final in the final stages of getting their licenses in California right now. Chuck Liddell at 48 years old and Tito Ortiz at 43. Looks like this is becoming a reality. What's your thoughts on Chuck vs. Tito 3, Sean? And under the De La Hoya Promotions banner and the way they're going to... I mean, talk about the YouTube in the beginning. This is a different way they're going to try to sell a fight. How well do you think it's going to work out? Well, we're in the entertainment era, right? Yeah. This falls right in that window. Two legends of the sport, but they don't... They don't... And then Golden Boy. You could have found another fight. I believe they could have found another fight. This is not the right fight to do. I don't want to see 48, 49-year-old Chuck Liddell back in that octagon. Blood money. Nobody wants to see that. Blood and money. They think it's going to do great business. I could be wrong because, you know, the, I, I said I hate people in the beginning and I say it now. I don't understand what people really like. It's definitely not meritocracy or merit whatever of the sport. It's definitely not, you know, legit fights, the best legit fights you could put on. So at this point, I, I don't see how that fight does well. My opinion, I thought it could have done well on TV ratings. I don't think it's going to equal cash. I don't think people are actually going to spend money on Liddell versus Ortiz 3. I don't believe it. I just don't believe that. If not as many people, if 380,000 people reached in their pocketbooks and paid for DC versus Miochik, I don't see that many people paying for Liddell versus Ortiz. I just don't. I don't see that. I don't think it's feasible, and I think this is going to be a major failure. You know what I hope happens? Affliction. I hope they pay Tito ten million and Chuck twelve million, and they they throw in that first event, it bombs, and they go out of business. Could very well could because I, if you're gonna get into MMA, this is not anybody says they're excited for that fight. It just drives me crazy. Like really, like excited enough to where you're gonna pay for it? I, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. Being I don't huge. think. I don't think the interest is. And I'm there. the biggest Chuck Liddell fan there is. I love Chuck, but I don't think the interest is there. I hope I'm right and not wrong on this. But I, I don't think the interest is there that much. I think I think they get they get I think they get, you know, their license or whatever with the state and then they start pumping money in this thing, trying to promote it, and I think it gets cancelled before it happens because they realize, oh, we're not gonna make any money. Cause if he was serious about making, you know, an MMA promotion or getting into the promotion of MMA, I would think not say he can't sign an undercard under this, but I would think he would start signing some other fighters that were also recent free agents. Why not make that million dollar offer to Michael Chandler? Like, hey, come fight on this undercard. <coughs> make a million dollar offer to Eddie Alvarez. Hey, come fight on this undercard. Until I hear stuff like that happening, we'll see. Well, speaking of Chuck and Tito, they've that would be their trilogy fight, but they also used to be two former Ultimate Fighter coaches. Sean, guess what's coming back? The ultimate fighter, heavy hitters. UFC heavyweights and UFC women's heavyweights in the 145-pound division. You probably didn't even know it was coming back, did you? I didn't. 
But you broke some news to me earlier. What is this deal going on in Australia? Oh, they broke some. They they got a TV deal where they're going to air on one of their big channels, like Channel Ten or something like that over there, where they're going to they're going to air. It's going to be like how the Ultimate Fighter was introduced to America, America. and they're trying to introduce it to Australia, and they're going to put it on one of their major TV stations, and they're going to air that on that channel, and also the Tough Finale and the UFC Adelaide fight night card on free tv over there mm. so that's a big deal the boy robert whitaker yeah i feel really like australia superstar over there they have some it's a great real, market they it's have been a, a great market well not only that but in the ufc right now with the some of the fighters that's on the rise like um well they have robert whitaker who's a champion they mm -hmm. have tai tai Abusa, they have that like heavyweight um pedro T tyson pedro. pedro tyson pedro plus not far from australia i believe is new zealand they have uh Israel, they have Dan Hooker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they have the dime piece, Megan Anderson, also. That's the one I was about to say, too. She's, yeah. So they have some real up and coming Australia. So they need to really break into that market. They have the fighters to do it. Oh, yeah. Like they never have before, right now. And uh, it's one of those little deals that you might not think means a lot, but, you know, it's a big deal for the UFC. It is. It's, it's one of those quiet deals yeah. that WME probably took care of, honestly, because that's what they do. That's what WME does. They get TV deals done. And the TV deals that they've broke for the UFC since they've come on board have been the biggest in its company's history. Just think about this. Wouldn't that be crazy? We all write like Tough is off. But if Tough was to go over there and become a raging success, maybe Tough isn't dead after all. It's dead in North America. I think it's played yeah. out here. I do. But you could have the Ultimate Fighter big time in Austin. They've tried this before. They've done Tough Brazil. They did the Aussies versus... I can't remember. What was it? Was it UK? Yeah. The England? Yeah, they, they've done tough episodes like that before. But this one actually is breaking into a major market over there in Australia. And Australia obviously loves mixed martial arts. Robert Whitaker is a potential megastar over there. So this might work out. Maybe the Ultimate Fighter isn't completely dead after all. But I will tell you this. It's dead in North America. I don't know if people really have any interest at all in tough in North America. I mean, this one's coming on, and I'm telling you, from Baltimore, Maryland, Tough is coming on. I think tomorrow it starts, and I could care less. I have tried to get into the past couple seasons. I like their little things they did. They did the Ultimate Fighter Undefeated. Okay? I was into that for about two weeks, and I didn't watch an episode after. I was done. It's just so played out and boring. The Contender Series is where it's at now. But to say it won't work in other markets... It very well can. This sounds like a, a slam dunk deal in Australia. Sounds like a big deal for them. Good for them. Hopefully it works out. We'll see. But as far as the Ultimate Fighter coming back, I don't care. I don't. Anything else you want to say? Nope. All right, you knuckleheads. That'll do it this week. Thanks for listening as always. I am your host, Joe Newbauer at Joe Knows MMA. That is Sean Neubauer at the underscore, I mean, I'm sorry, MMA underscore Insomniac. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, or download us on iTunes. We always enjoy it when you come to the table. Please have a good weekend, guys and girls. Peace.